Hi, welcome to the Life Church Utah podcast. We are a church located in Salt Lake City, Utah. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. Check us out online at lifechurchutah.com. It is uh, really great to uh, to have each one of you here. Uh, real quick, quick mention. Uh, Michaela Wells is here, and welcome back, Michaela. She's been gone for a while, and uh, she's now a children's pastor in Kentucky, and uh, so super excited for her, and uh, to have you back at least for one Sunday, so. All right, very cool. Um, a couple of things. Uh, keep in prayer, please, if you would. Uh, Tate and Kristen Stevens. Tate and Kristen are our new youth pastors, or student pastors, and uh, they packed up their house in North Dakota yesterday, and uh, their closing is on Monday, and so please pray for them for safe travels as they make their way out here. Their first official Sunday won't be until August 29th, uh, but they'll be with the, uh, with the students on August 25th, and also the parents will let you know a little bit more about that coming up, but please pray for them for safe travels uh, all the way here from North Dakota. You guys know where North Dakota is? Okay, just making sure. All right. Um, this, uh, this past week, uh, Natasha and I, Natasha was up here just a few moments ago, had the uh, really great opportunity to take all of the snacks that you guys provided uh, for Valley Junior High. Now, they asked us for 1,300 prepackaged snacks. I don't know why I'm doing it like this, but <laughs> 1,300 prepackaged snacks. And here's, here's the generosity of Life Church Utah. We provided like 5,200 prepackaged snacks, all right? So uh, for those who don't know, I mean, this is a way for us to participate in our community. Uh, the teachers are going to have what are called hungry boxes. And uh, in there, they'll have the snacks for the kids and things like that. But the teachers have to pay for those themselves. And it's not like a reimbursable expense. And so we wanted to come alongside of them, be a blessing to them. We might do this a little bit later on in the year when they uh, run out of snacks and things like that. But thank you uh, for loving the community uh, right around Life Church Utah. And really appreciate you guys uh, stepping up to the plate and being so, so generous. So how many of you know our world has gone crazy? Right? Uh, certainly not to diminish uh, things that are going on in the world that are obviously very, very serious. But we see the, uh, we see the news. Um, I mean, the earthquake down in Haiti. Uh, this uh, just yesterday, and just so you know, Convoy of Hope, which is a ministry that we have supported for years uh, here at Life Church, they're already down there on the ground providing humanitarian aid uh, for th- uh, the many, many thousands of displaced uh, individuals and providing uh, counseling and providing hope uh, for so many people. And we're uh, obviously participating in that behind the scenes as well and providing finances uh, for Convoy of Hope. But we see what's going on in Afghanistan, uh, the fires around the world, not to mention uh, COVID-19, and we just go, okay, God, it's time for you to return. <laughs> Let's uh, just take care of this, right? Uh, but, um, but we are in a position, right, where we have an unshakable God, right? I mean, our God is unshakable, and none of this uh, surprises him. None of this uh, makes him fret. None of this makes him uh, be in a position of like, oh, my goodness, what do I do now? And so our faith, our trust, our hope is in him. And when we feel the shaking around us, and sometimes we feel that shaking within ourselves, right? Because we look, we don't have all the answers that we feel like we should have, and we wish there was a different, uh, you know, different arc for all of this. 
but we still trust in the Lord, and He is unshakable, and so our faith is unshakable. Uh, and so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like us to pray for our world uh, right now and just take a moment out in our service. Uh, in our prayers as well, we're going to continue praying for Pastor Alfred. Uh, many of you know him, um, but he speaks here uh, from time to time, fills the pulpit, also helps out midweek, helps us with our, our food distribution here at Life Church, along with uh, many, many other churches in the Salt Lake Valley, all the way up to Ogden, all the way down to Utah Valley, into Tooele Valley. He's a huge part of the ministry here in Salt Lake, and he is uh, certainly uh, facing a difficult fight with COVID right now. He's on a ventilator up in Ogden, and we're praying for God's healing upon him. Also need to pray for Pastor John, who is uh, fighting COVID-19 as well uh, this week, and just believing for God uh, to place his healing power upon Pastor John. So why don't we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are grateful that we have a God who is unshakable. We have a God who, when we see this world around us and we see uncertainty, God, we know that we can put our trust and our hope in you. God, when the world throws our, uh, throws our way uh, difficulty, when the world throws our way confusion, God, we can turn to you. And so, God, when we see uh, military uprisings, we see what's going on in Afghanistan, we see uh, the, the destruction from a, uh, an earthquake in Haiti, and we see the loss of life and the humanitarian crisis that seems to build in our world, Lord, I thank you that there are answers through ministries that are already on the ground and providing hope. Lord, thank you for Convoy of Hope and the ministry that they do. Father, we also recognize that the, uh, the continuation of the pandemic in our world, and we ask for your healing power upon those who are suffering under COVID-19, Lord, in particular, Pastor Alfred and Pastor John, and Lord, certainly others that are represented here in our congregation in, our, in the Salt Lake Valley. Lord, we're not in this alone. God, people that are fighting through this are not fighting this alone, and Lord, we trust in you to bring healing where healing is possible. Lord, we love you this day. God, we give you all the glory, place your anointing upon the remainder of our time together this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I love being part of a family. When uh, Shelly and I were gone this past week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. We were gone this past week uh, to Florida and to a conference that our denomination holds every year. Uh, missed being here last Sunday. It was weird, like we're not, not with family and uh, things like that. And so uh, just appreciate each one of you and thank you so much uh, for what you mean to Life Church Utah by being a part of this great family. And uh, when something is important, everybody finds out about it because you just can't keep your mouth shut, right? I mean, that's just part of it. So can I, can I tell you some good news for our family? Um, so we are, uh, we, Shelly and I are expecting our first grandbaby here in the next like week and a half or so. And I've already told my own children, no more gifts for you ever. Because whenever we, it's so funny, like when, when our kids were young and growing up, uh, we, have, we have four kids of our own, and, and uh, so when they were young and growing up, say we were at Costco, I would avoid the kids section. I would avoid that like a plague. Now I am drawn like a magnet to that moment, right? I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to that, and I want to buy things for this, for this child, this little boy that's going to be born here in the next week, and his name will be Sully, so I'm very excited about that, so kind of like the, the monster in, uh, in Monsters, Inc. Um, but uh, stories begin to define us, right? And when stories are told in the family over and over again, they become legendary, right? They, uh, how many of you have family stories that when you get together, you just tell and you laugh and you tell them again and you laugh about the same stories over and over and over again? They, they help define your family. So for Life Church Utah, we have stories that we tell. 
And uh, Life Church Utah started in a basement not far from here, and just a handful of families that gathered together saying, we want God to be a blessing in the Salt Lake Valley. This is about 68 years ago or so that, that, uh, that Life Church began. It was uh, Kern's Assembly of God first, and then Valley Assembly of God next, and then Life Church Utah uh, now, and I think that was 2007 when, the, when that, that name change happened. Um, but Life Church has been part of the story of thousands of people in the Salt Lake Valley, tens of thousands of people by extension through online, through the uh, dramas that were done here for many years, and the story of life change continues, and we're all part of that. And I was talking with somebody the other day about Life Church, and uh, right after the remodel um, happened, and I think it was about seven years ago now for, this, uh, for the auditorium here, and then even prior to that, when this building was originally dedicated, one of the important parts of, of Life Church is this space right here. Right, the altars, the place where we come. And I know COVID has kind of changed that uh, language a little bit, and we don't come down to the altars as large groups as often right now, but we will be bringing that back because the altars, right, the, these are important for us, important places where we meet the Lord uh, when, we are, when we are with Him, but we're also with others who are gathered around us, praying over us, asking God's blessing. And this is part of our story. And I want to encourage you uh, to jump into the story that God is doing uh, here at Life Church. There's some really, really great things that are happening. And really, the greatest part of it is, is we're not alone as a church. Right? We are part of the much, much larger body of Christ. Uh, the kingdom of God is ex- as is expressed in the local church. Uh, but I love this church family and so grateful uh, for each one of you and all that you bring uh, to what God is doing here in the Salt Lake Valley. And I love it. It's not just here, West Valley, but it's at our Tooele campus. It's with our language, uh, Spanish language service uh, here in the auditorium at 1 p.m. Uh, it's just uh, God, God is taking seemingly insignificant things and making them uh, incredibly powerful. And so thank you. Uh, for that. Uh, so these common stories impact, uh, that impact uh, kind of the story of Christ in our own life. When we tell them over and over again, they become important. And in the Bible, there is this unique story that is told, um, and it's told by all four of the Gospels. And this is the only story that's told by all four of the Gospels, except for the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus. Obviously, the death, burial, resurrection, all part of that story. But the Gospels include this story that we find in John chapter 6. So I'm going to invite you uh, to open up your Bibles, get your smart device, whatever you need. Uh, get that and turn to uh, John chapter 6, please. And this is the story of the feeding of, or the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And it's told by Matthew, by Mark, by Luke, and by John. And when it's told by all four of them, there must be something very special about this miracle. Now, we won't be able to unpack all of it today. There are so many ways to look at this miracle, so many ways to apply it to our lives. Uh, But today, one very small part of that um, is that there are two basic um, groups of people in the story. One is the crowd and one is the disciples. And so pay attention to both of those groups as we get into the story. John chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. Um, He and the disciples were wanting to get, how many of you need a vacation? As your pastor, I give you permission to go to your boss, say, hey, my pastor said I need a vacation. So go to your boss this week, take a vacation. Hopefully you don't get fired. All right, so um, (laughs) 
right? So, so they needed a vacation. They were busy doing a lot of work. They were out preaching, very, very busy. They needed a little bit of vacation. So they're, they're on one side of the Sea of Galilee. They go to the other side to get away from the crowds. However, it says a large crowd was following him, following Jesus, because they were observing the miraculous signs he was performing on the sick. So they wanted to get away, but they couldn't. The crowds followed them to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It says, so Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Jewish feast of the Passover was near. Then Jesus, when he looked up and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread so that these people may eat? And then John puts a parenthetical statement in here because he wants to give some insight that the disciples don't know, the crowd doesn't know, nobody else knows except for the reader of this gospel now. And it says, now Jesus said this to test him for he knew what he was going to do. So Jesus said, you know, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to get food for all these people? But Jesus knew what he was going to do. Then Philip replied, 200 silver coins worth of bread would not be enough for them for each one to get just a little. All right, so where does this take place? It takes place uh, off the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I was there a number of years ago, and this is the traditional place. I've got a picture for you. Uh, traditional place for the, for the feeding of the 5,000. It's not a great photograph. I am not a professional photographer, so this is what you get. All right, so we are at the top of the mountain looking down on the Sea of Galilee. This is actually a pretty steep uh, mountainside. Uh, looking down there were all of, the, um, all of that, I'm assuming it's some sort of corn or something like that. I don't know if they grow corn in Israel. Who knows? And so uh, there's a product being grown there. And um, this is where they say the crowd would have gathered at the feeding of the 5,000, it says Jesus went up on a mountain. So how do we know that this is actually the site? How do we know that? Because this is there. <laughs> Somebody built that, I don't know, afterwards, whatever. But so this is, uh, this is the five loaves and two fishes. So that's how we know that this is the spot where this took place uh, in Israel, not really. Um, so the crowd is mentioned here as a significant part of the story. The Bible says that Jesus looked up at the crowd. Uh, the other, uh, other versions in Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about it. It says that Jesus looked up and saw that they were hungry. How many of you are hungry right now? Yes. <laughs> it's a good thing. Uh, now, how many of you have a loved one that gets what is called hangry? Raise your hand really quick. How many of you have been on the receiving end of hangry? <laughs> it's not a fun place. We have a daughter that gets hangry and just got to get something in her, something small, just a morsel so that she doesn't bite her heads off, right? In that moment, how many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Hangry. So this crowd is coming to Jesus and they are hangry. Jesus sees their physical hunger and Jesus knows what he's going to do about it. He was up to something. He didn't fill the disciples in on the story right now, I mean, right at this point, but Jesus is up to something to meet this need. Philip said that uh, 200 days worth of work or 200 silver coins, which is silver coin per day of work, 200 days of work won't be enough to provide even just a little for everybody. And remember, the 5,000 is just the men who are counted in the crowd, and there are women and children there as well. So some scholars think 12, 13,000 people are gathered at this point. When there's a town nearby that is a large town that has about 500 people in it, a crowd of 10 to 15,000 people is a huge number. 
So financially, there's no recourse for them to be able to meet this need. The disciples see this issue bearing down on them. They feel the weight. We need to provide financially for this group of people to eat. Jesus wants us to feed them. How's this going to happen? So have you ever been faced with a financial need that there was no way for you to meet? This is what the disciples are up against. This is what, all you know, Jesus here with his disciples. They have no way to meet the need to feed these thousands of people. Um, how many of you know that there's a difference between needs and wants? Right, this crowd needed to be fed. They were hangry. It was going to get ugly if they didn't get fed. There was a need associated with it. There, sometimes in our world, we get our needs and our wants very, very mixed up. I need a 72-inch TV. I need it. Right, Shelly? I need. No, she's shaking her head. I don't need that. <laughs> apparently, right? I need it to be able to play my video games on. I need that. I need gigabit internet, unlimited. I need that. I need it. It's not a want. Lord, I need my coffee. That truly is a need. I mean, that is bona fide. That is a need that we have in our lives, right? I need, right? But so many of these things that we need are actually wants, and we wonder why God doesn't tear down heaven and hell to give us our wants. Sometimes we need to look into our lives and go, okay, God, is this really a need in my life or is this just a want? God wants to meet our needs. Right? God, God, God desires, God will, will, I mean, even throughout the Bible, right, the miracles that happen, God stops the sun from moving so that a need could be met in the nation of Israel. God will go to great lengths to meet our needs. Might not be always the case to meet our wants. Um, this crowd was truly in need at this point, and so the story goes on, John chapter 6, verse 8. One of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, um, Jesus, I know we can't pay for this thing, but here's the next best thing. <laughs> uh, we've got a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Andrew already knows the answer, but what good are these for so many people? Trying to meet this need physically isn't going to happen either. Financially, we're trying to work this thing out. Financially, it's not happening. We add up everything that we've got, and it is totally inadequate. There's no way to do this. So we have a tendency to see our resources as limited, right? Which is very, very normal to do. I mean, we only have so much. But perhaps this puts us in a position of us being in charge, right? God, this is all that we have, all that I have, so you can't expect more from me. But remember, Jesus knew what he was up to. Jesus had something in the background that he was working on that the disciples did not see. They didn't understand what was going on, and Jesus looks at this and says, yeah, this is enough. This is enough. Um, so again, here we see this attempt to meet an overwhelming need by our own striving. Five loaves, two fish. Might have looked something like this. And if you would have brought just that little bit uh, to your family, uh, let's say you've got your family gathering, 10 or 15 people gathered together, and you bring this, look what I brought. 
everybody would go, that is not enough for 10 to 15 people, especially with fish that are still looking at you. That is a problem. So uh, that's not a, I'm not a fan of that. Um, so the point is, in the face of incredible need, what is physically provided for is far too little. We find ourselves in the situation when facing overwhelming need, we scramble to provide for ourselves. We try to figure it out on our own. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do this. We fail to recognize that Jesus is working behind the scenes. So remember, Jesus knew what he was going to do. I love that parenthetical phrase that's only in John that says, Jesus was up to something that the disciples didn't know and the crowd didn't know. So, the crowd's gathered, they're hangry, they're trying to figure out what's going on, they don't really know what they're doing uh, necessarily, they're just, uh, it's, it kind of reminds me, I was at, uh, we were at Islands of Adventure um, the, the other day uh, when we were on vacation right after the conference, and uh, we're standing there going through uh, Harry Potter's Wizarding World or whatever that thing is, right, we're, we're walking through there. And there is this line of people, Shelly and Catherine had gone on to a certain ride that I didn't like and because uh, I get sick on it. And so, so they were, they were going, going up there and I see this long line, about 50 to 60 feet of people standing in a line that's going nowhere. It literally is just a line of people. And I think what happened is one person stood, another person got behind them, another person, and it literally, I mean, there was this line 60 feet long of people not going anywhere. Have you ever gotten in the line before, not knowing where it went? You just admit, admit it really quickly. You've done that before, because I have done that before, right? You get in this line. Other people, they're, well, I might as well just stand in line, right? And that's what was happening. And I think this might be a picture of what's going on here. You know, five, 10,000 hungry people standing in line like, okay, um, we know he's a great teacher. We see he's got 12 disciples. We're hungry. What do we do? Let's just stand here and see what happens. John chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. It says, now there was a lot of grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Okay, I've got to do a quick aside here, um, and I'm going to meddle a little bit. Is that okay? If we're going to make you angry? Is that, you, hopefully you're not hangry, but being angry is okay. Um, the other stories captured in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about this process of sitting the people down, and it says that they sat down, and Jesus said, get into groups of 50s and 100s. So Jesus wanted to bring order to this crowd before the miracle could happen. So it got me to wondering, how many miracles in our life are just waiting to happen, but we refuse to order our lives? Okay, this seems so practical as to be not right, but I believe, I believe this is right. Like, we pray for miracles to happen in our finances. God, I need a miracle in my finances. Look at this unexpected expense that just showed up. I need tires for my car that have been on for 120,000 miles, and I need a miracle right now, a provision for $600 for these tires. I wonder if the miracle could have already been provided for if we would have ordered our lives. Now, it's not to say that God can't come through in, in those moments when we, when we need that miracle, but there are some miracles, I believe, that are just waiting if we order our lives and we realize God has already provided a huge abundance in our lives. Miracles are already there, but we miss them. Because our lives kind of like, anybody have a junk drawer? 
And you're, you know what I'm talking about, right? That, that junk drawer that has that pair of scissors, that special pair of scissors, that, like the angled ones that you don't know what they're for, except all of a sudden you realize, I need that angled pair of scissors for this one thing. Where is that? Oh, the junk drawer. And if I would have known, and I search, and you know, right, uh, there, there's that screwdriver that, that you didn't know you needed, or that, that Allen wrench, that little angled Allen wrench that's in there that you put in there like three years ago, but you've never cleaned out that drawer, so you don't know that the miracle is in there ready for you. If you just cleaned out your drawer, you would realize you already had it. So I wonder if God is challenging us to look at our lives differently. Now, if you know me, I am not the most organized individual in the world. So I'm preaching to myself right now as well. And I wonder if we had better accounting of where our budgets were and where our finances were, if there are already miracles God has provided for us, if we were to trust him with our finances differently. Maybe there's a miracle already waiting for us in the way our family is structured and the way that we order our lives. And God says, hey, I'm already at work just get it together, okay? So uh, it's not to diminish this miracle that was taking place, right? Because Jesus said, I've got to bring some order to this out of control, unruly crowd in order for this miracle to take place. So, okay, enough of that, enough meddling. All right, here we go. Uh, Continues on, says, then Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed the bread to those who were seated, If there's somebody standing, they didn't get the mirror. No, not really. Okay. To those who were seated. He then did the same with the fish as much as they wanted. Man, there is this huge abundance that is happening when they were all satisfied, Jesus said to his disciples. So all of the people were taken care of. This crowd, this huge crowd of people taken care of. And Jesus says to his disciples, go see what's left over. Gather up the broken pieces that are left over so that nothing is wasted. So they gathered them up, and it says they filled 12 baskets with broken pieces from the five barley loaves left over by the people who had eaten. Not only was there enough, not only it says there that the fish as much as they wanted, and really the bread as well, that there was such an abundance that there were leftovers. How many of you like leftovers? Any of you like leftover freaks? All right, good for you, good for you. Um, And I love this miracle because there's this partnership that happens between the disciples and Jesus. It reminds me of the very first miracle that we looked at, the very first sign that we looked at, which was Jesus turning the water into wine. And Jesus sent the servants and says, all right, servants, go dip the water, and it says that has been turned into wine, and go serve it to the headmaster of the ceremony for the wedding. So the servants, not knowing everything that was, how it was working, not knowing exactly what was going on, they participate in bringing that miracle to those that need it. The disciples, the same way, Jesus breaks this bread, right? He blesses this bread. He gives it to the disciples and says, distribute it to everybody who is now ordered and seated so that this miracle can take place. And they go and they reach into the basket and they give some bread out. They reach into the basket, give some fish out, reach into the basket and give some bread out and fish. And they do this over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And this miracle of abundance multiplies. I love that. Where did the miracle start? Well, you could say it started with a boy with, you know, five loaves and two fish, but that still was just five loaves and two fish until something important happened. It says Jesus took it and blessed it. Took it and blessed it. 
And I think he wants you to know as well that Jesus, he will take and bless the inadequate parts of your life, right? The, the, the parts of your life that don't always add up the way you would like them to add up. The mistakes that you have made, the things that you go, God, I can't do this anymore. This isn't enough. I really believe Jesus will be able to take that as well and say, I'm going to multiply something in your life, but it's not just for you. It's for those around you. Right? We can't hold the blessings that God gives us to ourselves. The disciples didn't just pile up and like have a little secret side stash. They were there, you know, one for you in the crowd, one for us, one for you in the crowd, right? It was, they gave everything that they had and still found out that they had more left over. And I love it that they had 12 basketfuls. There's, there's 12 disciples at this point. And I really believe it's God just saying, hey, I've got this. I'm gonna provide for you not only for today. Remember, um, you know, give us this day our daily bread from way back in the series we did uh, back in the, uh, springtime. Uh, that daily bread is not just for right now. There's the sense that there is something more for us that God is drawing from the future and providing blessings. Now he's doing this for the disciples, providing for them. Read this the other day. It says, God will shatter the pint-sized expectations of what his followers can do if they would learn to bring to him what they have already been given. When Christians are willing to offer their lives sacrificially, relinquishing their hold on whatever God has given them in terms of time, talent, and treasure, God will use these ordinary things to create extraordinary things. God delights in taking the humble and transforming them to something unexpected. At the very end of the story, the very end where this miracle happens, remember signs, right? This is our, the whole purpose of our, of our series seven. Signs point somewhere. And at the end of it, it says, now when the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus performed, they began to say to one another, this is certainly the prophet who is to come into the world. They were ascribing something to Jesus that they had been longing for and looking for and this sign of a miraculous, abundant provision is just what they needed. Two things as we close out here, and we're going to be a little bit late today, but that's okay. Um, there are two sides here that I want to talk about. The first is the crowd, right? And so if you are part of the crowd, this is you, you see that, um, that you have a significant need in your life, just like this crowd did. There's a need, whether it's financial or relational or mental or emotional, whatever that need is, you, you have tried on your own to get this thing met. You've tried on your own financially. You've tried this, but it hasn't worked out. Here's what I'd like you to know from the story. We see that Jesus sees the need and he has compassion. In uh, Mark, I believe it is, it says that Jesus saw the crowd that was coming and he had compassion on them. Jesus has compassion on your need. Jesus recognizes how debilitating maybe it's been in your life. He sees that need and he's not looking at you, pointing the finger, say, you put yourself in this problem, get yourself out. He sees the need and he wants to respond. And the second thing is, if you're part of that crowd and you've got that need in your life, um, just like that, I love that parenthetical phrase that John writes, right? We have to begin to trust that Jesus is working behind the scenes. We might not see it. We might not realize that there is, a, there is a miracle just waiting to happen. We've got to trust him for that. And then on the disciples' side, right, there's, there's two parts, the crowd and then the disciples, those who are close to Jesus. They didn't get it either. 
They didn't have it all figured out. They didn't know what it was. But what we see is Andrew bringing all that they had. And it's inadequacy, it's imperfection, it's brokenness, all of it. That's the, Jesus, this is all we've got. And God will take your little and make it abundant. You might not feel like you add much to, to God's church. You might not feel like you add much to the kingdom of God. You might not feel like you add much to your friends or your family. But in the hands of Jesus, when he takes it and he blesses it, he brings an abundance into your life. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we uh, close out um, this morning through communion. So I think the question as we get to this point uh, for communion is, um, you have a need, are you ready to receive from God? There's a need in your life that nobody else can meet. Are you ready to receive from God? And the second side of this is, uh, are you ready to be used by God just like the disciples were in bringing a miracle to somebody? Right? When we give what little we have, God's going to bless it, make it abundant, not for ourselves, but for those around us. And the picture of what happens on the cross, I think, is really the most beautiful picture of this whole miracle. And listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Yeah, if you haven't been served, uh, we've, our ushers do have uh, communion elements available uh, for you as well. You can lift your hand. Just let us know. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is Paul speaking. He says, the teaching I gave you is the same teaching I received from the Lord. And listen to this language. On the night when the Lord Jesus was handed over to be killed, he took bread and he gave thanks. That is literally word for word what John writes. He took the bread and he gave thanks. Lest we think we need any more miracle than what Jesus can provide, this is it. It says, then he broke the bread and said, this is my body. It is for you. Do this and, and do this to remember me. Father, I am so grateful for this emblem, the bread that represents the body of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, the miracle that we just talked about in the book of John, that it's also in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Lord, it involves the, the taking of bread and blessing it. And so God, this bread that we hold in our hands, we ask for your blessing upon it. Because God, your word reveals uh, in so many ways that this blessing is to be applied to our lives in healing. And God, for those who right now are facing a, um, a, a medical need in their life, God, I pray for your blessing to be extended to them. Lord, your word says that by your stripes we are healed. And so God, we thank you in advance for healing that is ours because of what Jesus did on the cross. So Jesus, I thank you that you took the bread and you broke it and you blessed it. Lord, do the same in our lives. Lord, multiply what to us seems impossible. But God, meet the needs that we have. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. You can open up the other part there for the juice. It says in the same way after uh, they ate, Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup is a new agreement that is sealed with the blood of my death. When you drink this, do it to remember me. 
Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are telling others about the Lord's death until he comes. So the blood represents, or the, uh, the, this cup represents the blood of Christ uh, that was given for us, for uh, the Bible speaks of the remission of our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins, that the blessing of a new life could be given to us. But I love what Jesus says here in this passage, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are telling others. Folks, it's not about us. It truly is not about us. The blessings that we have, the freedom that we have in Christ, the, the sense of fulfillment that we can gain in a relationship with God, it is not about us for us to hold on to. Just like the disciples, they gave and gave and gave and gave and gave it all, and God's abundance was still enough to provide for them for the future. Folks, the blessing we, re we receive in forgiveness is not for us. It's for us to proclaim who Jesus is through us to a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, thank you for this cup that represents your blood that was shed for us. Lord, the importance of this is uh, um, that forgiveness that is given because of your work on the cross. But God, we can't hold that to ourselves. We've got to tell others about Jesus. And so Lord, help us do that very thing. Because God, you are holy. Lord, you are righteous. You are just. There is no one like you, O oh God. Help us, Lord, to open our eyes and wonder to the world around us and recognize, God, that you've called us to these people that don't know you. Jesus, thank you for this cup. In Jesus' name, let's partake together. I know we're already a few minutes over, but who cares? So I feel like that uh, the best way for us to kind of close out this moment is uh, to worship again, right? We've already sung the song, Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up our eyes and wonder. Show me who you are. Fill me with your heart. Lead me in your love to those around us. This is the story, right, of this miracle that we can be a blessing to others around us. Let's worship there the Lord. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder. Show Father God, truly that is our prayer, that you would lead us to those around us, to be able to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, this God who loves us enough to meet our needs. And Father, within this congregation, I ask that you would miraculously meet the needs of your people. God, sometimes those miracles are, uh, they, they, they come seem, seemingly out of nowhere. Other, time, other times, God, those miracles are by the ordering of our lives, just like you did to the crowd. And so, Lord, we are in ex expectation, God, to receive from you that which we cannot provide on our own. 
Father, we ask that you would cause your blessing to flow from uh, this body of Christ, uh, Lord, into this world around us that desperately needs to know Jesus. And God, I thank you that you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like you. That God, that you can be radically generous through us. That God, we can intentionally love those around us. And that God, you would help us to be grounded in your word. Father, we ask all this in Jesus' wonderful, powerful, holy, and righteous name. God, believing that you're going to start working through us today to bring blessings to the world around us. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. See you next week as we continue our series.